Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello, created for entrepreneurs and online business owners who know that business gets to be different from what we've been told. Join me and my entrepreneurial guests for insights into how they've created wild success while dropping the hustle and honoring their well-being. Because I believe that success is more than a financial destination. It's how we get to feel every day. Hello and welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. I am so excited to have on a guest today, Sophie Cliff, also known as the Joyful Coach. She's a certified coach and positive psychology practitioner who uses her expertise to help individuals and organizations flourish by finding more joy and prioritizing well-being. She's also the author of Choose Joy, Relieve Burnout, Focus on Your Happiness, and Infuse More Joy into Your Everyday Life, which is her first book. I'm so, so happy to have you on here. Today we are, well, I'm I'm recording from Brighton, and it's very grey, and it's very miserable, and very much feeling that kind of winter kind of blues looming above our, our kind of head. So it feels there's never been a better time to be talking about joy. And of course, Sophie, it's a very exciting time for you because your book is about to be published. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show today. I guess one of the things I want to lead with is why joy? Why why is joy the focus of what you do? I feel like that's a good place to start. Thank you, firstly, so much for having me. And I must say the weather is no better up here in Leeds either. I'm looking out the window <laughs> and it is very grey here as well. And suddenly feels like you say, we've very much reached winter. Um, mm. But yeah, thank you. And I'm so excited to talk to you about all things joy. So why joy? That is such a, a huge question. And I'm always conscious that telling my sort of story in retrospect, it's easier to make things feel very fluid and very structured and like it was very strategic. Most people listening, if they are fellow business owners, will know that it very rarely happens like that. But um, so for me, I haven't always been a coach. I spent the first 10 years of my career working in corporate sales and marketing at companies like the Walt Disney Company. I worked at some smaller tech startups and I had what on paper was a very successful career, but it never felt good to me. It always felt like I was a bit of a square peg in a round hole. And mm. about four or five years ago, I started to explore what else could be out there. You know, I, I really believed that work could feel better than it was feeling for me. But I didn't know what that would look like. And I went on my own sort of journey. I worked with coaches. I read lots of books. I did a lot of thinking about my strengths and my skills and my passions. And one of the things that I did always love in my previous career was leading and developing teams. I, in my last job before I started running my business full time, I led a team of over 80 people. And a lot of those people were very young. And what I loved was the nurturing of the talent the development the coaching of those people and so coaching felt like a natural route for me to explore and I spent some time retraining as a coach and when I first started offering my coaching services I suppose I was doing what a lot of us do which is working with everybody and sort of trying to bring those coaching skills to as many different um, people as possible and what I found was that coaching was being used a lot for um, very traditional reasons. So professional advancement, you know, getting to the top. I was working with lots of people who either wanted to start their own business or wanted to scale their current career or wanted to, you know, have some executive coaching because they were going for a promotion. And 
I really enjoyed working with those people, but I always had this bit of a niggle in the back of my head of, wouldn't it be great to use these skills to help us build lives that we enjoy, not just careers that we enjoy, or not just hitting those metrics that we're sort of told to hit. And that was coming up a lot in in the coaching conversations that I was having. People were sort of saying, you know, I've got that job now, but it still doesn't feel enough. Or I've like built this business, but I'm, I can never see my kids. And it felt really important to me to to use those coaching skills because I'm so passionate about coaching. I think it is an incredible tool and I think it's a really underutilized tool that we have just generally as humans. And I was really excited to think about how could we use those to empower people to think about their wider lives? You know, what does joy look like? What does success look like? What does balance look like in our own lives? And so that's really sort of where it came from. And then once I'd had that like little kernel of thought, it really spiraled. I went back to uni and I did a master's in um, positive psychology and coaching psychology because what what I found and what I was just so excited about is that there are decades of academic research on this stuff of the power of positive psychology, but so much of it lives in journal articles that are behind paywalls or that are in universities and that are really you know inaccessible to the majority of us and so it's it's really sort of spiraled from there my passion now is sort of taking all of that good stuff that we know is there so much of it is evidence-based it's been rigorously tested and helping people access it in their their day-to-day lives so that we can all benefit from a little bit more joy I love this. And I don't know if it's just because we've just been through or still kind of going through a pandemic or all the other kind of crazy atrocities going on in the world right now. But (laughs) I find myself wanting to ask you the question, what is joy? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really um, prevalent question. It's actually the first question that I answer in my book Mm. because it is, you know, lots of people come to me and they say, I'm sold on the benefits of joy. I understand why it's important, but A, I don't know what it is. And B, I don't know what would bring me joy and it's a bit of a tricky one because um as a sort of trained positive psychologist I always like to start with very robust definitions and the hard thing with joy is that psychologists and researchers haven't agreed on one set definition in the same way that they might have done with other emotions but what we do know is that it's a different construct from happiness and I think Mm. we often confuse the two we often think joy and happiness are the same thing. But how I often like to describe it is happiness is often circumstantial. It's something that happens as a result of a situation. So we might feel happy because we got a promotion or because it's our birthday or because we've gone on holiday. Whereas joy is something that we don't have to wait for. It's something we can cultivate. It's more of a practice in that sense. And I often think about joy of in the sense of A, just tuning in and being present. There is so much in our day to day that we can enjoy that so many of us are missing because we're just, you know, running on autopilot. And then I think in, on the other hand, it's about being really intentional and being really, you know, mindful of what is going to bring joy to our lives, what is going to light us up. And we might all experience that joy differently. I often experience joy more as a um, like sense of peace and contentment, whereas happiness might feel very high and like glittery and exciting for me joy feels a little bit like being in my life and being like oh I'm here and it's good and I can enjoy it 
someone else might experience that differently to me. But it, for me, it's about that sense of mindfulness, of presence, of being here now, and also making sure that what we are creating and cultivating for the future is what we actually want. And that sounds so simple, but it is the mm. opposite of what most of us are doing. What most of us are doing is running around on autopilot, saying yes, like booking in the next thing, going for the next promotion, making all of these decisions because it's what we've been trained to do. And that is absolutely how, like what I spent, you know, 10, 11, 12 years doing until I sort of thought, like, this isn't working for me. I need to do things a little bit differently. So joy is really an incredibly important mission of yours, it sounds like, because yeah, everything you were saying there makes so much sense. And what's really interesting is I'm reflecting back on the past few years and recognizing that there there is a sense there have been many occasions over the last few years, which I've never really seen before, but maybe it's my age being in my mid thirties, mm-hmm. where it felt at certain stages, it was almost irresponsible or insensitive to be too joyful. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, particularly in a, in a world where so much of what we do is online, there were certain times where it was like, no, you mustn't be too present. You mustn't be too joyful because there's too many other things. Go- and, and, and in a world where we are so overwhelmed with information coming to us from so many sources I I think what you're doing is so incredibly important because I certainly sense that I sometimes feel a bit of shame around where I feel joy I I, you know I I find myself feeling like I can either read the news and not feel joy and and feel safe in that space otherwise um, otherwise it feels immensely inappropriate to be feeling joy when there's other suffering or I cannot read the news and feel joy. <laughs> yeah. um, and actually, I do recognize from listening to everything you're saying, it's it's about learning to live alongside those things and still, I guess, defining your own version of what joy is alongside that. Um, because like you say, the people you were coaching, you know, a destin- the destination of a pay rise or a promotion or any of the other things, you know, when you put what you want, when you... Let me get the words right. <laughs> when you're looking for things externally, quite often when they arrive, they're not what you think they are. So you yeah. you sharing how joy is an internal thing that we cultivate really, really fascinates me. And so obviously you've shared kind of your journey with joy in terms of what's kind of led you to it in terms of being, you know, coaching people and um their how how your experience of their experience and your desire to kind of bring more joy to the table what does that actually look like for you in terms of how that's evolved for you as a coach and the kind of people you're supporting now yeah yeah before I get into that I just want to pick up on one point that you said about that that contradiction of Mm. life feels very unjoyful if you just read the news and you just look at that and it feels like like you say, like it's almost disrespectful to like embrace our joy when there is so much hardship. And I'm sure you have seen like so much of the conversation online about toxic positivity and yes. like we have to feel all our feelings. And that's a really important caveat to this. Joy isn't about denying any of the other stuff. I actually came to this work, like I came to sort of practice joy in my own life because of like a, a big family tragedy that we had. And for me, it was almost the flip side. It was almost thinking so many people don't get to experience life. They get their life cut short mm. or they get their life limited in some way. And to me, it almost felt disrespectful to carry on going on, like wasting my life in a sense, because it felt like, you know, I didn't know 
I was just sort of letting life pass me by. And I think it's it's often with this stuff, like how we frame it. For me, joy is about getting the most value out of life, like soaking in it, making the most of it. Because we all know, you know, like it's the start of November as we're recording this. And I just can't believe another year is about to be done because time passes so quickly joy is a way that we can sort of like slow down and be in those moments a little bit more and I thought that was just important to share because definitely I know I I prior to that experience was very skeptical about joy and I was a bit like oh yeah we can be joyful when we retire or like we can be joyful when we go on (laughs) on holiday for one week of the year I didn't see it as something essential to my day-to-day in the same way that I I do now but in terms of how I bring that that joy into my work it really informs everything and the place I often start with clients is asking them what is going well and asking them to almost just reflect on what is already good about their life because we are so bad at letting that stuff in what we're very good Mm -hmm. at is thinking about the goals thinking about the next thing we want to achieve thinking about what we want to fix what we want to improve you know the new skills we want to develop it's very rare that we stop and go, I'm really good at this, or my relationships feel really harmonious at the moment, or actually, I'm really enjoying the fact that I've got, you know, a great social network or whatever it might be. And so we start with what is already good and how we can maximize that. And the other exercise that I always start with clients with is helping them to figure out what their values are, because our values Mm. are a really great I see them as like a personal roadmap. You know, you set off somewhere, you can go onto Google Maps, you can put in your destination and it tells you how to get there. I see values as like that for our joy. If we know what our values are, we can then see where we are and aren't aligned. And when I reflect on my previous career, like I said, you know, I was working for incredible companies. I had lovely teams. I was well rewarded. On paper, everything it looked like I had all of the right ingredients for a joyful career. But what I know now from knowing what my values are is like one of my core values is making an impact. And I was a teeny tiny cog in a huge big machine. And it didn't, you know, nothing would have changed if I'd have not gone to work one day because, you know, I was working in this huge corporate international machine that would have kept on turning anyway. And so I felt like, I wasn't living in alignment with my value of making an impact or another value of mine is freedom. And, you know, when you work for a a big company, there's very little freedom. You're at your desk from nine till six every day. You work the weekend if you have to, you travel where you need to go. And so by figuring out my own values, I was able to see like almost why I was experienced in the conflict or why I was struggling to find joy. And so that's the same place that I always start with my clients is what what are those core values and what it often helps us to do is to simplify stuff and to go actually yeah where can we get a little bit closer to this and what can we start doing every day I think and I I am a huge believer that we should set goals and that we should work towards goals there's loads of great research that shows goals are very important for our well-being but I think what we often do is we believe that we'll be happy when So we think, okay, Mm. it's the start of 2023. Let's set all these goals for myself. Once I've achieved these, then I'll be there. I'll have arrived at like, you know, the joyful destination. But what's most important is that we're making that process feel good as well. And when we know what our values are, we can do that more easily. So, you know, if a client tells me that they've got a value of creativity, 
what that means is that when we're setting their goals, I can remind them and prompt them and say, how are you going to use your creativity to you know, achieve this goal? What's going to feel like a really joyful way to infuse some creativity into the process rather than just thinking, okay, I need to launch this new product or I need to um, you know, pivot like how I'm, how I'm spending my time. We can instead almost have some prompts and some ideas and some structure to help us bring in some of that joy along the way. Yeah. And, and I feel like through what you've just shared, in some ways you've touched on a kind of question I have for you or, or well, given some answers to the question I have for you, but I still feel the need to ask it in, um, in terms of what's interesting is we all know that, you know, if someone kind of says, what, what, what would you like to feel? You know, people be pretty quick to choose the word joy, wouldn't they? You know, people want to feel joyous, people want to feel happy. And like you say, lots of people are booking their holidays or, you know, planning ahead to kind of get that joy injection, <laughs> um, you know, which then of course it comes around and then there's all that pressure and all that stress because that joy's got to be perfectly packaged <laughs> up. Otherwise, Lord forbid. Um, so I'm really curious to know what you perceive as being, and I, I assume values might be one of these judging by what you've just shared with me, but what, what you perceive as being the biggest blockers for most people to experiencing joy in their lives yeah so a couple of things one is something you've just touched on which is this idea of arrival fallacy there Mm. is some research that shows we massively overestimate how much better we will feel as a result of achieving a goal or you know going on holiday or whatever it might be The, the positive flip side of that is we also overestimate how unhappy negative things will will make us we're basically just we're very good at over over catastrophizing on both ends but Mm. what that means is we often sacrifice joy in the day-to-day because we have this inner belief that it'll be worth it when and I see this all the time you know people say like oh life is like at the moment I'm having loads of conversations with clients where they say everything's full on at the moment but it'll be so worth it come Christmas when I take the two weeks off or you know everything like feels really stressful and I'm having to work on some projects that I'm not quite enjoying but it'll be worth it when I've got a little bit more income in the bank and we can plan that holiday or whatever it might be and what that means is we are sacrificing joy in the short term because we believe you know we're going to have this huge spike of joy when we go on the holiday or we take the Christmas break or whatever it might be what research shows is that we do have a spike in happiness when we do some of those big milestone things whether that's achieve a goal or get married or, you know, get a promotion or buy a house or whatever it might be. But that is only a temporary spike. It never, ever lasts longer than three weeks. That's that like, that's the longest. It's usually shorter than that. I think it's like when you get married, you have like a three week honeymoon period. And then what happens is we come back to our baseline level of joy. And what we've done is we've sacrificed lots of opportunities for joy along the way because we think, right, this is going to move us up a level and it doesn't. And so what I like to remind people is that it's not that we want to eradicate those things. Like, of course, we want to have a lovely Christmas and go on nice holidays and get promotions and do all of these things. But what we also need to be mindful of is raising the baseline of joy, almost making sure that when when we fall on the other side of that milestone, we're not falling quite as far because we've built up that daily practice. So our day-to-day lives feel feel more joyful I think another really big thing that gets in the way of us practicing joy is you know related to what we were talking about earlier I think it's a sense of feeling worthy of it and feeling like it's safe Mm. because 
we often feel safe when we are hustling and pushing forwards and making something happen. We feel safe when we are trapped in that sort of spiral of anxiety. And I've seen that really like just blow up as a, a coping strategy in the last few years, understandably because of the pandemic and everything that has come since, you know, we do constantly refresh Twitter and we do constantly like check the news and we, it almost feels like a coping strategy to stay ahead of some of these like curveballs that might be, be thrown at us. And we sort of feel like, oh, apologies. Um, we sort of feel like we can't embrace and enjoy joy because we haven't worked hard enough yet. And that I think is built into us from being small, you know, we are told mm. to do what the teacher tells us to do or what our parents tell us to do or what our boss tells us to do. We are conditioned to think, if I get this, I'm going to be secure. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be content. And we don't actually think about well, well, what is going to bring me joy today. And, you know, I look back at even things like the GCSEs I chose to study when about, you know, what is what am I going to enjoy? What am I going to you know, flourish with what's going to feel exciting to me. It was what's going to get me into the best university or what's going to set me up for the type of jobs I might like to do in the future. You know, when kids go to see a careers advisor at school, no one is saying, you know, what what are you going to enjoy doing for the rest, for the next 50 years of your life? What we are guiding them to do is think about, you know, what you, can you make money doing? What's a solid job? What's a secure job? And I think we have so many other people's values projected onto us from such a young age that it can feel really hard. It can feel like the joy is there, but it's trapped behind all of these other layers of expectation and value and worth and all of this other stuff that can feel tricky to claw back almost. Yeah, everything you're sharing, it sounds like there's so many layers of conditioning that you're dismantling <laughs> here. It's, I can imagine it's quite the journey for anyone working alongside you like unpicking all of those those kind of I don't know I'm also about to say mindset but all these stories that we've been told over the years like you say all the way from through childhood from teachers from parents and it's actually funny listening to what you're sharing about university because funnily enough my dad actually was a huge advocate for encouraging me to study what gave me joy and so when I was younger it was languages and I actually studied modern Greek and French at university which mm -hmm. to this day I have moments where I'm like is this one of my well, not biggest regrets because it obviously <laughs> hasn't informed what I've done since, but I did have a great time doing it. Um, not such a great time still paying off the student loan that came alongside <laughs> it, but, but it is so interesting to hear what you're saying. And, and even how in that moment, listening to what you were sharing, thinking maybe my dad did have a point after all, because they were a great four years. And mm -hmm. it's, I guess there's certain things in life that you can't measure as easily. So while I may not have gone on to use that modern Greek, aside from impressing people on holiday, being able to order all the coffees in Greek, <laughs> um, it's um, at the same time, there's probably things it does for your emotional resilience and well-being, and, um, and uh, confidence in pursuing joy, which actually can set you up really well in life. So I'm really glad you shared that because I think even just one point like that alone can be like really, like, I don't know, like really, <laughs> my brain's like malfunctioning this morning, but it's really like, um, you know, it makes people think differently about things because even one small decision, like what you decide to study at university does have a huge impact and, and looking at the motivation behind why you choose to do things. And I, a lot of what I'm hearing when I listen to what you're sharing is how much we just take things that kind of face value and how much we're influenced by 
well, because a teacher said this or because a parent said this or because this is how things are and this is what everyone else is doing in the office, then this is how it needs to be. And when I hear you talking about values, I'm reflecting on the fact that before I kind of entered into the self-employed arena, nobody in a business ever said to me, what are your values, Polly? <laughs> and I remember, you know, sitting in a corporate boardroom and watching court, you know, them kind of saying, these are our company values. And it just kind of meant nothing really. <laughs> mm. um, because they would just seem to have them for the sake of having them because that's what every company needs to have. But it, you'd rarely see much of a trickle effect from those values, or maybe I was just working in the wrong companies. Um, mm. So it's really fascinating to hear everything you're sharing and recognizing how many layers there are to joy um, and what it is to truly kind of create an inner world that will support you through what is a very challenging time right now, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that the research is so clear on, and like I say, you know, positive psychology has been a, a, a formal domain since 2000. So we've got over two years, uh, two decades of research that is just as empirical as any research in, in psychology. And what it tells us is that when we are prioritizing joy, we are more successful. So joy mm. obviously has all of these other benefits of it helps us to be present in our lives. It's great for our well-being. It helps us to be healthy. It nurtures our relationships, all of these important things. But we know from studying successful people that we often think successful people are happy because they've achieved success. But we get the cause and effect the wrong way around. They are successful because they are doing something that they enjoy. And it feels quite fluffy that I think it feels. And I think if someone had told me that six or seven years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, whatever. I just need to knuckle down. I need to achieve my objectives. I need to get the next promotion. But I've 100% seen that in my own career. You know, what I've achieved in the last three, four years of working for myself is just a, a light years apart from what I'd achieved when I was, you know, in my corporate career. And I see it with my clients as well. And I think the difference is it's that sense of feeling in flow. And when we are enjoying something, it's not that the work isn't hard. You know, any self-employed person will tell you it's bloody hard work to work for yourself. And there's a lot of juggling and there's a lot of stretching and there's a lot of like, you know, self-coaching that goes into being able to do that. But there is a sense of ease that comes with doing something that you're aligned with and doing something that you enjoy that is different. You know, I had the opposite experience to you at university. I studied economics because it was what everyone told me, you know, would be the, like, I get the best job. And, you know, funnily enough, I was studying economics during like the biggest recession of all time. <laughs> and it felt, felt a little <laughs> bit chaotic. But that when I look back on my university experience, it felt like pushing water up a hill. It felt like every assignment, every exam, every lecture felt like it required so much effort of me. And then when I went back to uni a couple of years ago to do my master's, I had the total opposite experience. Of course, it was still hard. I still had loads of academic imposter syndrome. I was still out of my depth a lot of the time. But there was a sense of ease of like wanting to learn, of enjoying it, of wanting to put it into action, of applying the things that I was learning that I just hadn't experienced that first time around. And I think that is the difference. And that's the thing that we often forget is not all time is created equal. You know, when you're enjoying something, what you can do in a day is so much different to like when I think about what I used to achieve in a day when I was sat in an office and watching the clock, I'm like, of course, I'm like 10 times more productive now because I actually want to do these things. I don't have to build up this sense of self-motivation. And I think 
that's where that success gap comes from. It's so much easier to be successful when we're doing something we enjoy because we don't have to convince ourselves to put the effort in in the same way. Yeah. I mean, this all makes so much sense to me. I'm reflecting on at GCSE math, I got a C and I got a first in modern Greek at university, a language that I started from scratch. Um, And like you say, I achieved so much more in those four years of studying that language than I did in so many other things because I really, really, really enjoyed it and really threw myself into it wholeheartedly. And it didn't really feel like work at all. <laughs> As you can probably imagine, with lots of trips to Greece, it really didn't feel like work. Um, and, and, but it's so interesting to recognize that, you know, but then I threw myself back into that pattern of we have to work hard, you know, and do things we don't really enjoy because that's what everybody does when they're in their early twenties. And at some point, you know, it will get easier, but this is like a rite of passage. You know, you have to go through the grind and, you know, not be paid well and be a bit miserable and work for like that. And it's just so fascinating how easily we kind of just give up so many kind of personal freedoms, um, in the name of because it's what we see so many other people doing so what you're doing really is pretty revolutionary and and like you say so needed because there is um i think like a lot of kind of confusion and a sense of personal conflict around joy in the in, in this kind of current landscape that we're living in right now maybe there always has been um but certainly i definitely i don't hear many people talking about doing things that make them feel joyful and particularly since myself becoming a mother I notice it even more so that there's this motherly guilt that you feel if you're filling up your own cup versus not filling up everyone else's Mm. um so it's it's such an important conversation and I'm curious to know you know if someone's listening to all this because we're talking about really big themes here um which interestingly as well when you were kind of talking about um the time that kind of is created when we're doing what's in flow I I did then think of like zone of genius I guess it's all it's all the same concept isn't it it's all part of the same thing but if someone's listening to this and they're really new to all of this and their mind's pretty blown and they're thinking I want some of this this sounds really good um you know what kind of things could I start doing now or tomorrow that would kind of increase my levels of joy I know this is like a very, like, I know you obviously probably go, well, I'm not probably, you definitely go much more in depth in your book, but if someone like listening right now could kind of do one thing, um, in their kind of day-to-day life that would help them live more in alignment with that kind of values compass you referenced earlier, what would that look like? So I think the thing that I would say to anyone, and, and first of all, I would say it's totally okay if anyone is listening and thinking, I don't know what brings me joy because it's not what we're trained to think about. We're trained to think about what will make us money, what will keep other people happy, what will keep us healthy, all of this other stuff. But the best place to start is to notice what already feels good. So there are loads of ways that you can do that. It can just be sort of getting to the end of the week and thinking which parts of the week did I enjoy the most. It can be writing gratitude lists. You know, there's lots of research that shows Gratitude is really important in terms of cultivating joy because when we when we are grateful for what we've got, we are present and we are enjoying that thing instead of striving for something else. Or it might just be noticing like when when or or do you experience that sense of flow throughout your week? And I would encourage people to think a little bit more abstract. And what I mean by that is you know, if you're in a job right now that you don't particularly love, it might be hard to think about what do I enjoy? You know, you might think 
I don't really like this industry. I'm not very passionate about it. I don't really enjoy anything. But there will be something about that where you feel more in flow. So it might be when you're using your organization skills, you feel like, oh, I'm really great at this. And this feels, you know, quite joyful. Or it might be when you're um, like, when I look back on my previous career, what I can see now is that what I loved and what I was already enjoying, what was already feeling good was the relationship building aspect of my career. You know, I had to build lots of relationships with clients and buyers and and that I actually did really enjoy. What I didn't enjoy was like all the corporate targets and the like not having any creativity, but I loved building relationships with people and noticing what already feels good can give us some really great clues. And also it doesn't just have to be about work, right? It might be what feels good is to give myself five minutes in bed in the morning to enjoy my like hot cup of tea and to just gather my thoughts or what feels good is like actually being there and playing with my kids instead of like half being there and half scrolling on my phone. And, and the more we can notice, it's almost like gathering clues that then gives us some evidence and some ideas about what we can do more of. So for example, if you know, you always feel better on a day when you get outside, it then can become like a bit of a rule that like, we're going to schedule some joy by making sure we get outside for 10 minutes each day or, like if we know that connection and being around people is really important, we can think, okay, each week, what am I going to do that allows me to be around people? And it's about following those clues. I think what's really hard about this type of work and maybe also, I don't know, maybe it's always been like this, but I, I, I only have the context of, you know, seeing this stuff while running a business online. But I think what we all want is, the framework or the blueprint or the 10 step guide of like, here's how to do whatever, whether that's like grow a business or be happy. But what, what is most important is remembering that we know more about ourselves than anybody else in the world. So yes, there's research, there's stuff that can tell us, you know, like some of the, the best indicators we have of joy, our connection, gratitude, um, like savoring and being present. So we know that there's like some data around that stuff that that's going to help us feel more joyful but only you know what truly feels like oh apologies can you hear me oh can you hear me yeah I can yeah it was slightly disjointed for a moment there might be worth yeah it's only in the last kind of 15 seconds or so but okay I'll just go back to um there's lots of research that tells us that there are some like consistent things that you know, predict joy. So that might be connection or gratitude or like savoring and noticing what makes us feel good. But what I always like to remind people is that you are the only person who knows what joy is going to feel like for you or who knows what truly lights you up. You know, I get so much joy from being with people because I'm more on the extrovert end of the scale. Whereas I know my husband gets lots more joy from sort of being quite insular, practicing his creativity, you know, having some time on his own, that's okay. What, you know, and that's why it's important to to notice what those clues are telling us and to tune into what already feels good because that's going to give us some ideas for some different experiments. You know, we can all read the book that sort of says like, here are 10 things you need to do to be happy. But if we then put that into practice and it, it doesn't make us happy, it, we feel like we are the failure instead of feeling like actually this just isn't the right path for me and so I always want to encourage people to almost like take an empowered step with this stuff remember Mm -hmm. that you have got more data about yourself than 
anybody else in the world and start to notice and tune into that and and no, trying to notice what feels good already trying to be present and like sort of feel your way through this makes me feel good this feels a little bit tricky that is a really great place to start to just start like like I say creating a bit of a launch pad for then some ideas or experiments that you might want to trial Oh, Sophie, you're just totally talking my language. I absolutely <laughs> love all of this. Um, you know, that I think so many of us have really, I don't know, I, I really recognize that self-awareness isn't something that many of us naturally have. Um, and it is work to to do that, you know, self-inquiry and and to allow ourselves, you know, give ourselves permission to um to, to kind of receive what it is that we desire, you know, receiving in itself seems to be a massive block for many people. There can be joy right in front of them and some people will yeah. struggle to step forward and, and claim it. So what you're doing is so incredible. And I, I love that you've just referenced the thing about blueprints and 10 steps, because obviously you've got your book and I would love yeah. for you to share more about your book. And I'm assuming it's not a blueprint or 10 <laughs> steps. Um, so I'd love you to share more about, you know, what makes this book different from what you've just been referring to um and you know your big mission and vision around this book yeah thank you yeah I think you're so right one of the things that I talk about in the introduction is like this isn't a book that's going to say here's how to be joyful like do these 10 things or like follow what what I did because that isn't going to work you know just like success we all have a different definition of it joy we are all going to have a different interpretation of what this book is designed to help people do is figure out what their interpretation of that is. So we wind together sort of like three elements. So there's a little bit about my journey with joy to give some context and to like sort of look at how this stuff looks in practice. There's a lot of stuff that comes from the field of positive psychology of just some of that best practice. You know, here's some things you could try. But the most important part is the practical bit of helping people to think, what does this mean for me? So the book is split into sort of three different sections. The first section is called Start Where You Are. And this is really about taking that temperature check of what is what is going on in your life right now? What feels good? What feels tricky? You know, where are we like um, scoring strongly? There's some exercises in there that can help people to find out those values that we talked about earlier and sort of um, see what they are. And that's really about sort of you know, like, like we've just said, that self-inquiry is so important. We, if we don't know where we are, we don't know where we're setting off from. So that's what that first section of the book is all about. The second section is figure, all about figuring out what is going to bring you joy. So looking at almost building a bit of a vision, using the data that we've collected, what does that look like in terms of day-to-day -day life? You know, what would it look like to feel 100% aligned to all of your values? What would it look like to and, you know, really build your day around what is going to feel good or start to prioritize joy in those day to day moments. And then the final section is about almost staying the course. How do we put this stuff into action? So how do we set goals that feel really joyful to us? How do we take, you know, work towards those goals that isn't just about thinking about, you know, in a way that isn't just sort of jumping ahead and thinking, how, how can I achieve this goal? as quickly as possible but instead is about how can I achieve this goal in a really joyful way there's some stuff in that section about finding joy when life feels uncertain or when things go wrong how we can sort of stay motivated and you know keep taking that sort of action 
And then right at the very back of the book, we have a section which is 100 Days of Joyful Habits. And that's just little reminders of things that we can do to almost build the muscle of joy. Because like you said, it feels so unfamiliar to us that sometimes we struggle to receive it because it just feels so far outside of our norm. So there are some ideas and practices that we can put into our day-to-day life that just make us feel more comfortable with joy and make it part of our everyday. So really the difference is that, you know, there's the evidence-based stuff here. This isn't just me saying, here's what joy is and here's how you can go about it. A lot of this is informed by the research, but the most important thing is it's given people the tools to figure out what that looks like for them so they can build their own blueprint. They can build their own framework that is personalized to them that it's this is not a book and I was so passionate about this when we first started having the conversation with the editors was I didn't want this to be another book that makes people feel bad because I've read so many Mm. books where I think oh I'm really inspired by this and I'm gonna like go and change my life and then two weeks later I can't remember a single thing I've read and I feel guilty that I didn't do all of those things I promised or or you know I tried to do the things and it doesn't work for me and I assume that that means something is wrong with me I didn't want this to be this kind of book. So it's very gentle, very compassionate. And it's about giving people the tools rather than telling people what to do, essentially. Oh, I love that. I mean, I'm listening to you and I can't imagine one person this book wouldn't be good for. But I'm <laughs> you know, curious to know if someone's listening to this and obviously it's early November now, we're kind of heading mm-hmm. into Christmas season. So if anyone's listening to this and thinking this would be the perfect book for um, who who is it the perfect book for? Who would you say is is kind of going to get the most from this book? Like I say, I feel like it could be pretty much anyone, but who would you say? <laughs> yeah, I think when I was writing the book, the person who I had I had in mind was that me of sort of six or seven years ago who yes. knew that what I was doing wasn't the right thing and knew that the way that I was living wasn't bringing me joy, but I just felt so stuck on what else I might do. And I remember like listening to all the podcasts, reading all the blog posts and thinking, I know that there is another way, but I can't see how I get from here to there. And that I think is who this book is for. If you know anyone who is stuck, who is burnt out, who perhaps, you know, every time you see them, they're saying, oh, I hate this job, but I don't know what else to do. Or like, you know, I'm miserable in this relationship, but I've been with them forever. Or, you know, if you've got anyone who perhaps just needs that little like lightning jolt of inspiration to start thinking a slightly different way that is who this book I think would be great for anyone who just feels a little bit stuck in a rut because I think that's a lot of us the last few years we've sort of had to muddle through and get by and we've been in survival mode and what this book is about is switching out of that survival mode and giving ourselves permission to to dream a bit and to go how do I actually want life to feel? And, you know, what is what needs to change to get there? So, yeah, if you've got a friend who might be feeling a little burnt out, might be feeling a little bit like that resilience has been knocked. I think we so often give people a hard time. You know, we say, oh, they're a bit of a Debbie Downer or they're always, you know, cup half full, uh, cup half empty sort of people we forget that we get that way because we've been ground down by life. And so if you know anyone who perhaps is feeling that way, this book, I hope, will be um, a really great tool for them. Beautiful. And I love that you've created an empowering tool to help people actually leave with, you know, something that they can be leaning into, into indefinitely, into, you know, into a new way of being 
Um, and like you say, as someone who's read many self-help, self-development, self, all the things books over the years, <laughs> I totally appreciate what you're saying in regards to being enormously inspired, but sometimes to levels that I didn't then really know what to do with that. Um, so I absolutely love that you've found your own fresh take on this and are leaving people with something that's truly going to help reshape their life and the way they see it. And like you say, there's never been a, a better time for something like this. So I'm super excited for you, super excited for the impact the book, your book's going to have. And when is the published date and how can people pre-order? Yeah, so the book is going to be published on Tuesday, the 8th of November. So as we record this, I'm creeping very close to it. Um, and I can send you a, a pre-order link. It's basically going to be available. It's published in the UK and the US on the same date, but it's also being um, distributed by Book Depository, which I, I'm pretty certain they ship everywhere in the world. So if people are listening to this, you know, in, in all the corners of the globe, you can pre-order via Book Depository, but there are it's been stocked, you know, in the, the usual places, lots of indies, and you can find all the links to those um, via the, the page on my website to pre-order. Beautiful. And sorry, there was a slight break there in recording. Um, so what date is it that it's um, going to be out and, and available around the world? Yeah, so the publication date is Tuesday, the 8th of November. Um, so Beautiful. as we record it, we're creeping very close and it's published in the UK and the US and like I say, globally, all on the same day. That's something that the publishers have worked really hard to make happen because I think it's it's difficult with shipping. It usually means that like there's a, a UK release and then a few months later a US release, but it's going to be available everywhere as of Tuesday the 8th of November. Wonderful. And we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes. So anyone who's interested in finding out more about the book or buying the book, you'll be able to find it in the show notes. And Sophie, if people are interested to follow you in general and learn more about yourself, and you know, I know you've got a fantastic Instagram account that I've been scoping out. So how, how else can they find you and get in touch? Yeah, so I Instagram is where I hang out the most. And I'm at Sophie Cliff there. My website is sophiecliff.com. And I also have a podcast called Practical Positivity, which is exactly what it says on the tin. It's sort of 10, 20 minute episodes each week with some practical ways that you can inject a little bit more positivity into your day to day life. And it is a fabulous podcast. I've listened to about 10 episodes this morning. <laughs> only went on to listen to one or two to get a feel. And I couldn't stop listening. It's a fantastic podcast too. So if the podcast is anything to go by, I'm very excited for your book. Thank you so much for coming on today, Sophie. It's been so wonderful learning about yourself, about Joy, about your wonderful book. And congratulations on all of it. It's absolutely incredible. Um, thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lovely way to start the day. have been listening to the embodied business revolution podcast with myself holly lavarello thank you so much for joining me today and if you enjoyed today's episode and are keen to hear more come on over and join us behind the scenes at embodied business revolution on instagram we can't wait to say hi